Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. I'd like to welcome a special guest, producer Stacy Toy. How you doing, Stacy? Great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, they, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Of course, this is so fun, especially from our first phone call. It was like so much fun. All the energy was great. <laughs> it, immediately, right? Yes, absolutely. We're friends for life now. <laughs> right, <laughs> BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> so, how you doing? Well, I'm, I'm hanging in there, you know, it's just, you know, just another day in paradise, if you will, <laughs> Right. in the COVID 2020 world that we live in. I mean, every day is different and I have no idea what's going to happen because it's like, oh, we're filming. Oh, we're not. Oh, we're filming. No, we can't, you know? So it's just been kind of like, make up your own rules as you go. I mean, safely, of course. Um, but then also, you know, just trying to figure out how things are going to work or, Nobody kind of knows. People are trying to know. And so, you know, it's just been more research and, and you know, due diligence and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I've been doing a research project that I don't think anybody's ever going to grade or, or care about, but <laughs> here's hoping. <laughs> hey, hopefully we get a badge next year or something, right? That we survive yeah. COVID or something. I think so. Yeah. It's like, that's like the new Purple Heart, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, uh, congratulations on your release of uh, 100 Acres of Hell. Thank you so much. It's it's been a long time coming. Like I think I just told you before, it's it you know sometimes it felt like a thousand miles of hell going through it. Um, but I guess that's what film's about. But and that's where you know you realize your crew and your team is is so important because if we didn't have that camaraderie and the family like vibe of you could still yell at each other, but it's still respectful. Um, so people understand your frustrations and. You know, but the thing is, is we are all helping each other out. And like I said, you know, I was hired originally on 100 Acres uh, to be a uh, the public relations person. So I just have a natural curiosity for things. I mean, I've gone to school, obviously, like I went to Oxford and Harvard. And so just learning how things work, it's just, you know, in my nature to just say, hey, if I'm going to be doing this, might as well figure out, you know, how this stuff works. And within a week on my very first film set, um, I had worked in television news, you know, for over a decade, like prior to that, but never in like film. Um, so after the first week on my film set, uh, my questions led to somebody else being let go. Uh, and then the crew came to me and was like, you know, we want you to be the production manager. I'm like, you know, I've only been on set for a week and you want me to run the whole production set, you know? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we think you could do it. So I'm like, well, you know, let's try it out. So it was like, it was an opportunity. And 
and I took it and it ended up, you know, transforming my career from television news into producing. Um, so this was about six years ago now. And uh, then I met up with my business partner, Mark Denenbaum, and my other business associate, who is also in 100 Acres of Hell, Ernie O'Donnell, who's been in Clerks, all Kevin, Kevin Smith's movies. Um, wow. Both of them were like, you're a producer. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, because TV news producing, like when you're live in broadcasting, it's totally different than film producing. Um, you know, so I had no idea until, you know, my business partner, Mark Denenbaum, he hired me as a producer. And as soon as he was starting to show me everything, we went through it all. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a producer. Like, this is what I've been doing my whole life. I just didn't know there was a, I thought it was like being a mom. And like, you know, because <laughs> you know, you're making sure everybody's got permits. Everyone has healthcare. You know, everyone's fed on time. Everyone has water. You know, all the rules are, are taken care of, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and I was like, wow, this is great. Uh, so, you know, I have to attribute it all to them. But it was because of that now. I've, you know, t we now have, um, my business partner and I have a production studio in Scranton, and we also have affiliate offices in Los Angeles, Atlanta, Orlando, and over in London as well. Whoa. So you know, just in five years, like we've, we've been able to really expand. And so that's what a team does. You know, my Mark, my business partner always said all boats rise with the tide. Um, and I truly, truly believe that, but to I work like with that. people who actually like do it. And it's not because we're not crawling over each other all the time. And there are times too that, you know, because my Mark, um, my business partner is a director too. He's a producer. He can edit, he can color, you know, we have a recording studio. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know just as well as he does. And he'll get hired for things and I won't get hired. And that's okay too. You know, like we still support each other because when we bring each other along, um, you know, we always try to bring each other together, obviously, but there are times that we can't because there are times when I go over to Europe, um, a few times a year, actually, and I'm hired by bigger networks. Um, and we do shorter documentaries. Like last October, I was in Normandy doing a world war II documentary and over in France. And, you know, and then I was over in the Sherwood forest, uh, in the UK doing a Robin hood thing, which was really interesting and stuff. So it's like, we both go and still do our own things, but ultimately together, you know, we have a huge production facility, um, and studios. We have the biggest psych wall, uh, between Philadelphia and New York city, uh, smack dab in the Poconos here. So, I mean, we're, we've been growing and growing and growing. And, and I guess that's what, you know, life's all about is getting people that you trust together and making things happen. So, but it wouldn't have started if it was not for a hundred acres of hell and people believing in me because of that film. So <laughs> I owe wow. it everything. And it's now streaming on Amazon and Voodoo and iTunes and Google Play and on demand and about 32 other platforms. And it just streamed in New York City and Times Square last week in the biggest uh, screen in the country so not so bad for you know my first film <laughs> damn you've been kicking a lot of ass <laughs> taking names too <laughs> damn you were meant for this right and it's so funny because it's like it just it just kind of falls into your lap and I guess when you're a good person and you're passionate and you know it, like I said, I have a natural curiosity. I'm constantly trying to see how things work. And then I figure out, okay, I'll try it. If it's not for me, it's not for me, you know, and that's okay too. But I'm always down for everything. And so I'm like, thank God I took that chance. <laughs> My life's been so much happier since. <laughs> nice. You know, and uh, I'm sure it's a lot, a lot, a lot of responsibility, a lot of work, but you took it without any questions and just ran with it. And I mean, you got it. <laughs> it's weird how that is. But like I said, I have, I'm a mom too. Um, you know, I have two sons who are now going to be 16 and 14. 
um, and they're still alive. <laughs> you know, my husband passed away about nine years ago, so I've been a single mom. Um, oh. I was 28, and so you know, building this business and and expanding and doing everything as a single working mom has been like insane but it's you know i look back on it and i'm like holy shit like i really did that like sometimes it's really cool you know and it's it's pretty rewarding and stuff so i'm just i'm glad to be the example because there's a lot of people that are do as i say not as i do and i get that too because i'll do that a lot i admit to it um but you know to actually be able to like you know just have a dream and have enough people to support you around you to focus and then you just kind of take it and run with it Wow. Like when you just like, there's no hold bar. Like I just, I, excuse my French. She has, I took my fuck it all. And, I nice. just, yeah, fuck it all. and I'm like, I'm jumping in head first. You can't dive, can't go halfway into the deep end when it gets uncomfortable and stop. You know what I mean? Like you got to all the way in. So that's just what I did. And I guess that's why I'm here. Um, you know, I've lost a lot. My failures, uh, I'm most proud of them, I guess, because I never, you know, and now it's just like, oh, I failed. Okay, try again, try again, try again, try again. Because it's like, once you failed so many times, like, what is anybody, there's nothing anybody could do or say to me that I haven't already done to myself. You know what I mean? Like, at this point in time, so it's like, I'm not sitting around and moping around, oh, I can't do it. No, I'm going to, now I got a fire under my ass and I'm going to figure it out because somebody told me I couldn't, you know, like that tonight, like that tenacity, I think is an important thing, you know, um, and it drives a lot of people. So if anything... And be tenacious. <laughs> I like that. You got to show them what's up, right? Yeah, that's right. You got to scream, screaming, Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and I like your saying, too. You, you took your fuck it all. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I didn't know if I could curse or not. So oh, I, yeah. But yeah, like we always tell, we're like, oh, well, did you take your fuck it all today? And they're like, you're what? And I'm like, seriously, just say fuck it all. Just, <laughs> seriously, like everybody's going to tell you you can't do it. You know, there's a few that are going to tell you you can, but it's all about what you think. And so if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me I wasn't going to be able to do this or that or, or be anywhere even near where I was, you know, where I am today, um, yeah, I'd been able to probably like purchase like this dream house that like I'd always have, but <laughs> instead I'm working for it. <laughs> nice. Doing fun stuff, you know, and so it's just cool. It, like, who knows? Like life is just insane and I've been all over the world and I've met and you know and i'm friends with a lot of people you know like celebrities and and even royalty it's crazy it, it blows my mind but you know again it's all about being a good person it's about having that drive you know taking the opportunities when they come even if you're scared they don't come around a lot so <laughs> take them and even if you don't know what you're doing it's called ask questions there's no and everyone think well when you ask that question it's a stupid question and i turn around to them and i say listen i went to oxford and i went to harvard where did you go to school okay like if i'm asking stupid questions i'm still doing something better you know and i have a master's none of that matters like at the end of the day but don't tell anybody those stupid questions because i went to the best schools in the world and it's and i only got through and i got all of these different you know achievements and accomplishments because I asked the stupid questions. So it's okay to ask stupid questions. They're not stupid. The stupid people are the ones who say they're stupid. <laughs> I like that. I mean, you, you didn't go, you didn't get through those schools and do good by being dumb. You know what I mean? You're doing something, no. right? You know, you know what you're doing. I did something. I mean, granted, I, you know, I was on at that point in time, like 70 to a hundred Vicodin a day at that, you know, I had a wow. very opioid addiction for a few years that I hid. 
because unlike most people where they take painkillers and it knocks them out, uh, this gives me energy. I got into the University of Oxford on drugs, like literally. Um, and then, you know, after a few years, this was, so I'll be clean 17 years at the end of this year. Uh, nice. I'm thrilled about. So, but it was prior to the opioid epidemic that's going on now. So when I went to ask for help, it was, nobody knew what to do with me because I wasn't using heroin. I wasn't underage drinking. I was using my own prescriptions because I was getting like a thousand from this doctor, a thousand from this doctor because I'm going to the best school in the world. She's not a drug addict. You know, I'm, I'm a cheerleader. I was in the dance team and I'm the president of the broadcasting society and blah, blah, blah. of course, but you know, life has a funny way of just taking everything away from you. So after, you know, going to school, my last week in Oxford was the worst week of my life because I ran out of pills for the first time. So after years, it was about between four or five years I was doing about, it ramped up to about 70 to 100 pills a day. Wow. So <clears throat> in time, thanks to my parents, you know, my doctors and stuff, I didn't end up going to rehab because my parents worked this out with my doctor where I went every single day for, I don't even remember how long. It felt like an eternity and I had to get drug tested every single day or else they were going to put me in rehab. But because of my college, you know, scholarships and everything, they didn't want to put me in rehab to try to save as much as they could because I still had to continue uh, to finish and graduate. So uh, that all worked out. Thank you, God. Uh, and then uh, I ended up getting married and having my children. Um, and my husband was in the in the Navy and he came home. Uh, he was honorably discharged and we had our family and, you know, PTSD is a, is a real thing and depression. Um, and over time he was seeing doctors. There was a lot of stuff that they diagnosed him with like bipolar, which I don't really agree with, but again, whatever the case is, on Veterans Day on, in 2011, he accidentally overdosed on heroin. He was not a heroin addict. So oh I know God. that he was at a really hard point in his life. And so, you know, he wanted relief. I know that. Um, not that it's any excuse, because it's not. But I also know that he was not an active user of that. So I did end up finding out uh, who shot him up. And I reached out to him and he ironically was in prison for something else, but he ended up getting out, I think three or four months after my husband's death and finally came back and messaged me. And I said, you know, I really wanted to talk to you. Can I pick you up and take you to lunch? So he was at a halfway house and I picked him up. I took him to lunch and I said to him, listen, you know, I know what happened and um, I want to make something good come from something bad. So I will help you and I'll forgive you if you become the father to your two sons and the husband to your wife that mine can no longer be. And I mean, he sat in front of me and he's like, you know, you're the one person who's supposed to hate me and you're the only person willing to help me. And I said, I know, cause I've been there, you know, like wow. I remember nobody wanted to help me when I was at my lowest. Cause it was like, Oh, she's a drug addict. Oh, she's nope. Turn your back. Like, you know, loser failure. She's going to die. And it was like, I just kept getting kicked when I was down, when I was trying to get back up. And I remember going, if I live through this shit, you know, look out, I'm helping people because this is bullshit, you know? And of course I'm like, not even God wants me. And well, I get, I get to see my purpose later on, but um, yeah. So uh, essentially now it was, it, my husband did know this other person because they grew up 
as friends together. There was four of them total. It was my husband, this other, the guy who shot my husband up and two other friends. Uh, the guy who shot my husband up, he was shooting about 50 plus bags of heroin himself a day. Oh my God. Uh, I know. It's insane. He was the worst of all four of them. And right now he is the only one left alive. The, all three of them, uh, the other ones have died of addiction. Uh, and, and my husband is now gone. It'll be nine years at the end of this year. And the guy who shot him up is now clean for nine years at the end of this year, has his family back. He has a business. We're very good friends. And he thanks me constantly uh, about having a new life because he said, you know, I took your like husband's life, but you gave me my life back because the more we ended up finding out about him, like his parents were, his dad was in the Hells Angels. And so he was getting tossed, you know, from in Arizona and California and, and, you know, across to Georgia and his dad tried to kill his mom. And I mean, so he's been tossed around his whole life and he didn't know love. So looking back on this whole process, the thing that I found to be more powerful than addiction and depression or any of that stuff is love and forgiveness. And not only is it, but I proved that it sustains itself. Um, I haven't seen this, this, the guy who shot my husband up in about two years or so now, but he's still clean. He still messages me to make sure and check in. And I mean, literally from 50 plus bags a day and in and out of prison, you know, and that's what everyone said. Why don't you just send him back to prison? And I said, he, that's his second home. He's not going to learn anything. You know, I had to give, and, and I was fully prepared for him to come in and tell me to just go fuck myself too. I was ready for that. I, I figured I wanted to try though. Um, and I figured the the person that I wanted to try my hardest on was the person who ended up essentially killing my husband. Um, and now he has this life. So in my, in my whole life, um, you know, I feel like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth leaves the world with a bunch of toothless blind people. So <laughs> seriously. And, uh, and, and if there's nothing else, you know, it's about trying to make something good come from something bad. So we're currently in the process of writing a feature film that's based off of the stories uh, that I just told you of my life wow. um, in hopes of, you know, trying to change the way that, you know, people see the opioid epidemic and can kind of get a different perspective because, you know, you can, you can damn somebody to death or you can save their life and then make a bigger impact on that. I mean, you never know what you're going through. I had no clue why God just didn't let me die when I tried to commit suicide and, all those nights of crying and that, you know, never understanding and fast forward. Now it's 17 years, almost two decades later. And now I have an entire story that a major Hollywood studio is, you know, in the process of wanting to put out in, you know, different countries and all that kind of stuff. So life's got a bigger plan for a lot of people than you even think. And that's why you got to just go for the ride. You know, you got to just hop on and, and just say, okay, let's go. Don't give up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So. That's an amazing story. I mean, that that brings me, that restores my hope in humanity right there, just hearing that, you know, because, I oh, mean, God. especially you're talking about that guy that uh, he was shooting all those bags every day. And, I mean, that was probably all he's known his whole life, you know, that he, he grew up in that environment, in that chaos. That was normal to him. So for him to change and you help him change, that that's huge. Oh, my God. Somebody cares about you and I legit showed up like I never gave him money but I would take him out to eat when he was at the halfway house I would when it was snowing real bad I would pick him up and take him to work so he didn't have to walk um, and I would give him minutes on the cell phone because this was you know almost a decade ago kids <laughs> you had to buy minutes on some cell phones um, and it's just so he could talk to his kids and have and he could call me if he was having a bad night 
So, I mean, it was, it was, and I legit was there for him and met with him every week for up to nine months, 10 months until he started finally, you know, going out on his own a little bit and then still checking in with me. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. But again, I was, I was fully prepared for him to just tell me to go to hell and, and just walk away, but he never did. But I think showing people love and really like, you know, putting your feet to the pavement and, and doing it. It's, it's something that's more powerful than they've ever imagined, like some, like he ever imagined before because he never had that. So it was, it was cool. And so that is, I mean, and he's doing amazing things for so many people right now, the ripple effect, you have no clue. And, you know, I'm hoping after all this is over, uh, he really wants to go and do kind of, you know, like a, a school talking tour across the country. And I would love for him to do that because he finally feels like he has purpose, but he worked for it. He earned it himself and he deserves every second of it. Wow. Damn. And, you know, it seems like um, definitely uh, pay it forward, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's what else is there to do? I, and, I mean, but if people say no, okay, all right, but you try, right? You're never going to keep getting yeses all the time and, and that's okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, I like to sleep at night. And so at least I know if I know I did the right thing or tried to do the right thing and it's, it's rejected or turned down, that's okay. You still tried. Now go to bed and be happy for yourself because you could have not tried at all. And, and who knows, even if that kind of thing plants the seed in somebody else's mind, even if they turned it down, you know, some people are like, why did you even offer that? You know, like they're, they're confused sometimes because people in their life just aren't nice to them. Um, and it's like, I don't want anything in return. It's just, this is what you're supposed to do, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. Some people are like, Hey, I'm not even worth it. Why are you trying? It's like, well, yeah. you, you just remind them that they are worth it, you know? Yeah. And who knows? Because crazier shit's happened. I mean, besides looking at me, how many people that failed out of college and then they went on to do amazing things like in this world? It doesn't matter. I mean, my degrees are wonderful. All my achievements are great, but that doesn't make me who I am. I feel like it's, you just, you just got to be a good person. My number one rule is don't be an asshole. I think it's very simple. You would think, well, you would think it's very simple, I should say. <laughs> but if you follow that rule, usually everybody's okay. <laughs> What is the most dangerous book you have ever read? How about Mein Kampf by the notorious leader of the Nazis, Adolf Hitler? Or the book the Beatles warned us about in their classic song, Revolution? Quotations from Chinese Communist leader, Chairman Mao. Maybe you would hide your copy of Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. Or even semi-fictional works like Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses. That book had him living in hiding from angry Muhammad followers. But what about a book that is most likely not only dangerous to own and read, but could very well be illegal in many countries? Roderick Edwards' book, How to Overthrow Our Government, takes the reader on a historical and hypothetical journey of revolutions, civil war, and sedition. From ancient Chinese farmers turning their farm tools into weapons, to the attempted impeachment of the U.S. President Trump. This book has it all. Get it today before it's banned forever. Because it encompasses like everything. Just don't be an asshole. Like if I wouldn't do it to you, don't do it to me. Just don't be an asshole. You know. I like that. That should be like on a billboard. You know. 
Let's make the world a better place. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> That's right. I'm. We, we just might have to do that. And we'll put your podcast on there. I love it. <laughs> Good times. And uh, so, so what got you into show business? Is it something you always wanted to do as a kid? Nope. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, I always wanted to be a reporter. So I have my master's degree in journalism. Um, oh, wow. And I was a live TV news director for almost 11 years for, and I directed America's highest rated local newscast in the country for a little over a decade. So I wanted to go and be a reporter. And then once I started doing my internships, uh, I realized that I didn't like sitting in a courtroom for eight hours and just being <laughs> on the air for like two minutes. Um, I wanted more than that. So I you know, went in and saw production and the live. And so I decided to take the way less paying job with way more <laughs> responsibility um, and become the live news director. I started off on camera, worked my way up through audio and, and teleprompter and, you know, directing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just loved it. It was exciting. I went on to do bigger events. I directed live parts of like the Sandy Hook shooting when the children were getting shot, which was Ooh. insane. But I also worked big events like London 2012 Olympic Games. Um, so it's I've been I've been able to work in 47 countries so far. I've been to a, a little over 70 uh, because of work, but I've worked in 47 filming uh, in various capacities, whether it's news, broadcast journalism, filming for you know documentaries, TV shows, feature films, whatever. So life's taken me a lot of places. <laughs> Damn. So out of all the countries, which one is your favorite? Well, I'm always partial to England because my, my grandmother came from Wales and from England. Um, and so I, I have family over there. I'm actually in the process of getting my dual, pe uh, dual citizenship through there. Uh, and we have an office in London, of course. And I do a lot of work with Oxford still with their research team on various you know, levels with documentaries. Um, I met with them before all this COVID stuff because we were working on a documentary about the homeless with the, one of the Queen's charities to do as like a PR uh, documentary campaign because the people, the homeless people were dying in the, in the winter over there and, and, you know, they wanted to talk about that. So um, I love that, but at the, I mean, I've been to so many random and weird places. I love Haiti, which is, you know, a third world country, but I love it. I've been there about four times. I filmed my second film. Um, I worked a documentary down there and I produced alongside Academy Award winning producer, director Robert May. Uh, he won for uh, with Fog of War with Errol Morris. And he's also responsible for the Kids for Cash documentary. I just missed it a little bit, but he's worked on some really big stuff. Um, and so he took me under his wing and it was me, him and, and three other crew members. And we went down to Haiti and we had security and, and whatnot, but we helped raise, you know, millions of dollars just with this documentary for kids down there that were orphans. And I've stayed in touch with them since because they now have internet, schools, computers, we FaceTime, they have running water, clean food, a whole compound. It's like 14 acres of self-sustaining agriculture and construction and, I mean, soccer fields and, and security. And so these kids have everything and they got it less than a year after we filmed. Um, wow. So those are my favorite things to do is when you can actually give back to, to a community. And I guess that's where my journalism comes in because I like to give a voice to people who wouldn't have otherwise have been heard. 
Uh, and there's an opportunity as a producer where I'm like, no, let them speak. And I can actually speak up and like, you know, take notice of people in the background or, or different things that most people maybe wouldn't notice. And I could bring it to the attention of the director. And he'll, if he says no, he says no. But the thing is, is I'm always watching out for opportunities to help other people um, and raise money for these organizations. Uh, I, I just love doing that kind of stuff. But as far as showbiz goes, like I said, 100 Acres of Hell, I was hired to do public relations because journalism and media has always been my thing. And then I just stumbled into an opportunity to learn what it's like to become a producer and production manager. And I just took the opportunity and I ended up really, really just loving it. So that's what kind of brought me into it. Now, this is my home. <laughs> Where has it been my whole life? <laughs> Well, so it seems like they threw you, you know, to the sharks and, uh, you know, how to swim pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, you know, I'm a teenage, a teenager in college and all that stuff, you know, and it's like, I'm a cheerleader. So like, I used to know how to manipulate men pretty well. I mean, so I, I use it for good now. I swear to God, I only use it for good. It's usually <laughs> just because like, you could see the, the snakes in the grass because it's like, oh, you're using the same tactics I used to use. Okay. All right. We'll keep it trying. Okay. If anybody can play, it's me. My last name's Toy. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, I, I swear to God, I, I only use it for good. I can't even lie anymore. It's kind of weird. I, I said that to my parents the other day and they're like, oh, come on. You? <laughs> I'm like, seriously like I can't it's just my devious days are over like once I fell flat on my face I was like nope I think I'm gonna pay attention this time you know <laughs> so <laughs> the last like 20 years has been has been pretty good um but yeah <laughs> I like that you use your powers for good <laughs> you have to because if not everybody in this industry is gonna take advantage of you I've never slept with anybody to get any of these promotions. And I am proud to say that, um, nice. you know, and if that's what you want to do, that's okay too. Like, I'm not, I'm not against it. It's just, I'm saying there's proof that like, you can't, in fact, when people ask me out, I always tell them I killed my first husband. And then when they're like, <laughs> right. But who can do this besides me? I mean, it's been almost a decade. Yeah. it's time, uh, Right. But then they're like, oh, no, seriously. I'm like, no, really, Google me. I come up in an obituary. Like, mm -hmm. And then they're like, they push more. I'm like, I'm one and oh, dude. Do you really want to go and try for two? Like, <laughs> yeah, look me up. They're all like, oh, shit. I'm not ready. What part of I killed him and you're still standing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Are you going to pee on my leg next and call me yours? Like, oh, dude. <laughs> you nuts is what it is. <laughs> Oh man, I, I am know not that. that special. <laughs> man, you're you're hilarious, man. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when I try, it's never on point. So from here on out, it's probably gonna be a shit show because you just called it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens, right? <laughs> Woo! Good times. <laughs> wow. So um so um um, that story with the guy that uh, he was shooting the heroin. So you're, are you working on a, uh, working on a movie for that currently, or is that like in the future? Um, yeah, there. I have a writer that I've been working with since last year, and person in the industry, and um, she's. Me and her have been going back and forth because I don't want it to be a documentary. I want it to be kind of, I guess, almost like. 
like the blind side, like Sandra Bullock's part in the blind side, I guess, where it's, she's not the hero, but she's like the catalyst that like just drives the whole thing because I'm not, I don't like being the hero. I usually am not the one who speaks out a lot. So it's really, you know, I guess it's karma because I always used to like to brag about myself in high school. And now it's like, I just can't stop <laughs> talking about myself because everyone wants to know about me now. It's weird. But, <clears throat> you know, with something that's so personal um, and especially because I don't, I don't follow the typical way of doing things. Um, I follow my heart. I follow what I feel is right. It's like I said, everyone wanted me to put that person in prison and I'm like, no. And they were actually ticked off at me that I didn't. And I actually wanted to help him. Now they're all friends with them and they fucking love them. And I'm like, told you so. you know, like, but <laughs> I mean, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> you just gotta be good. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of people they they don't follow their heart. They just go with uh, a lot of people don't act; they react. So mm -hmm. they go with emotion. That's perfect. I like that one. So you know, you're a pretty smart person. You know, you're like, wait, hold on, think about it, and uh, you know, just go. I told you how many times I failed before. <laughs> you start to learn after like thousands of wrong. <laughs> no, no, and no is my first, middle, and last name for a long time. <laughs> wow and so um 100 acres of hell so what's that movie about so there's this um as they call it i hate the words but mutant inbred killer i mean Ooh. people in the horror people in the horror world love it um who is played by both uh, Samu Anawahi and Afa Anawahi Jr. So anybody in the WWE world, they were the head shrinkers. Um, they're the Rock's cousins. They're, you know, they're the Samoan dynasty. So wow. they're royalty. They played the bad guy. Uh, the lead is WWE superstar Gene Snitsky. And they have an epic, epic wrestling scene uh at the end it was so cool to be there to watch and then it also stars ernie o'donnell my now business uh other business associate he was rick darris and clerks and he's been in every one of kevin smith's movies you know from jane and silent pop strike back to uh even the reboot that just came out um he had an appearance in and he's at all the conventions and all that kind of stuff so uh they go for this bros weekend where they take gene snitsky's character buck uh to this uh it's like a rundown wildlife sanctuary where you used to be able to go and shoot animals and and camp and they just want like a, a real wildlife guys weekend but they went there and the other guys didn't know until later that there was this legend of this mutant who is an inbred and he kills people and blah 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 and you know people start getting killed and um then you know a little switcheroo at the end which is always fun because it leaves it for multiples because i know that there could quite possibly be one or two more scripts that have already been written for sequels uh or prequels uh we don't know wink uh and we'll see what happens with that uh if it's anything like the first hundred acres like i said it felt like a thousand <laughs> <laughs> The money better be worth it. <laughs> awesome. <This time> around. <laughs> it sounds it sounds pretty badass. I love those type of movies. Yeah, you'll really enjoy it. I think so. And the other fun fact is that um, half of the film was filmed on my 
parents and my property. We have like, you know, 60 acres or so here in the Pocono Mountains. And so about half of it were half the campsites um, and a lot of the driving scenes and, you know, stopping where they're shooting the deer and all that. Those are all on my property. So I just thought that was cool. My dad, I mean, I grew up, we, we grew up on a farm. We were, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we didn't want for anything either. It's not like we weren't poor, poor, but I mean, we couldn't have anything extra, if that makes sense. Um, and it was the reason why I didn't see the ocean until I was like 15, because, you know, you got to feed the animals and nobody could take care of animals. And um, <laughs> my dad always told me, he said, you know, you have to use your education because we can't afford to just, you know, send you away to do this. So I always had to worry, got, I got scholarships, I, I was very involved. But my dad always said, nobody's going to come here in this rural part of Pennsylvania and knock on the door looking for you. You have to go out and get it. So not only did I go out and get it, I brought the whole production team to my property to film the film. So <laughs> it's called taking life by the reins and just making your own rules, you know? <laughs> You're like, hey, dad, check it out. <laughs> I know. And so when we watched it on Amazon, like he was like so proud. He's like, oh, that's one of my guns that they used. Oh, th th that's my property. Oh, oh. And I was just like, it was so cool for me to see because he was. And then he's in the credits and my kids are in the credits because they were a huge help on set. Um, it was like a big, huge family affair and, and it was, it's just really cool to kind of see it, you know, just unveil the way that it did and stuff. So I want to keep doing that. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, lots of bonding sounds like too. Yeah. And that's so fun. But how fun is it that you bring an entire Hollywood set with the celebrities and everybody's in your house? Like I just would stop for a moment and I'm like, wow. I mean, it was like a whole I would take moments and then there, you know, everybody from Jersey and New York would walk in the dark and I'm like, y'all don't want to do that. Like, this is probably where Bigfoot conventions like happen. Cause like <laughs> I heard a lot of noises in these woods and on the old blueprints, because this property has been in my family for about 250 years. Um, the there's Indian burial grounds that are actually in the old blueprints from, from oh. the years ago. So we stay away from those, but I'm like, you don't want to be walking through here at night. <laughs> Just trust me. We, get, we got wolves, you know, we got bears, we got, we got a lot of stuff. So other than teaching the city folk, you know, about the country, uh, which was still kind of funny in and of itself. Um, it was, it was really, really cool to have everything in, in, at my place where they said nobody ever would come. And it's like, I brought it here. <laughs> Damn. That sounds huge, man. 60 acres. Oh my God. Yeah. But like I said, it's been in the family for, since my, my grand, great, great, great grandparents came over um, and they were farmers. So they originally started with about 500 or something and then just, you know, broke apart with each kid and generation and, and whatnot. So I have a piece of it myself and I haven't built on it or anything. Cause it's one of those things, like, I don't want to ever lose that because it's, I mean, could you imagine it? Oh, 250 years. And then you give it to Stacy and look what happened. We lost. You know what I mean? Like, so I keep it. I pay the taxes on it. Everything's good. But my dream house is to build on it one day and, and to stay around here because we, all of my family is from around here. It's off the beaten path. Uh, you know, everybody has guns around here. So what can you do? <laughs> nice. And uh, about those uh, Indian burial grounds, don't bury any pets in there. No, I know. My dad, I had a Jack Russell Terrier a few years ago that passed away. And my dad said he buried it up next to where I knew that it was. And I said, if I go out to work at three in the morning and he's out there standing there looking at me, uh-uh, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Down to sour. That's all I can like picture, you know, like where's the rage? 
For real, right? Yeah. <laughs> Having old guy as a neighbor, he's like, sometimes dead is better. Yeah, I know, right? Exactly. I don't. I ain't playing that game. Uh-uh. No, it's, it's so funny because even when something will happen, I'm like, okay, anybody who's here, I love you. I, I'm taking care of petting the grass. Like, I'm, I'm respecting. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, I just, okay. Hey, everybody's good, right? Okay, okay. So <laughs> just make sure because you don't mess with you don't mess with those uh, Native American stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy, you know, myths and stories. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, well, aren't there there's skinwalkers out by you? Yeah, yep. Those are those are crazy stories. Yeah, like uh they shape shift. I think they're like demons too, right? They take your soul. Something like that. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's like once it gets an eye on you and like it's like, oh no, it's hunting me down. And aliens, you guys have a lot of UFO sightings and stuff there too. Yeah. You get all fun stuff. You got Sedona, you know, you get uh, you got it all. <laughs> yeah, I actually seen a UFO like a couple months ago. Really? Um, That's so cool. It wasn't nothing exciting. It was just like a little red dot. Like it looked just like a star, but it went steadily, like pretty fast, like all the way across the sky. Like, but it didn't have like a streak, like a falling star. It wasn't a satellite. Like it was pretty quick, but it's pretty That's crazy. so cool though. That's so cool. I mean, creepy for you, but very cool for me because I wasn't <laughs> anywhere near it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, this is it. This is the year they come. <laughs> of course, when we destroyed ourselves with the coronavirus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good times. <laughs> well, um, hey, thank you for coming on. And um, so is is there anything you're working on? Is there any website they could visit you or? Sure. Um, you can visit our production stuff. Uh, it's at the number two five eight studios dot com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at all spelled out 258 studios. I'm at Stacy Toy, S T A C E Y T O Y, and Instagram and on Facebook. I have a page, uh, it's Stacy Toy. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can see all my references and people who have written all that stuff. So you can tell that I'm not just a crazy bitch on here, but <laughs> I do have a pro professional life and uh, I get shit done. So <laughs> that's there. Um, currently, we are in the process of working with uh, an artist called Clarence Spady. He's a Grammy-nominated artist, blues artist. He's actually uh, called the future of blues. And for the last 35 years, he's played with everyone from B.B. King to Eric Clapton. Um, he opened for The Temptations and The Supremes. And so he's coming out with a whole new blues album. But the thing is, is and again, this, this aligns with my life, uh, he was a heroin addict for most of his career. And last year he lost his son of an overdose and he's since finally gotten himself together. He's been clean and he's finally getting his career back together. And it's with the help of a lot of, you know, bigger named people that were still believe in him. Um, it's, it's going to be an incredible documentary. And so there's, there should be more about that out probably next spring, just because of COVID, you know, there's a lot of the places that he filmed or, or played at like the Terra, uh, the Blue Note and Terra Blues and in New York that we would still like to film in at least like interviews or something. But until COVID passes, we kind of have to put everything on hold, but you have to do it good. You know, we can wait and we'll do it good. But yeah, so keep an eye out for that stuff because I'm, I'm excited to, to tell this story. 
Nice. Definitely looking forward to that. And I'm definitely going to check out 100 Acres of Hell. You know, like I said, I love horror movies, love those type of movies. Great. Good. Let me know what you think. Even if it sucks, tell me. Because if it sucks, I get a bigger cult, you know, classic following. Usually it's the strangest thing in horror. It's like, this was terrible. Everybody watch it. It's, it's, I love all of you. Whoever watches it, I don't care if you like it, hate it. Just, I appreciate it. Watch it. <laughs> nice. And it's available on Amazon and... Amazon, uh, most on-demand, uh, like Dish Network, uh, you know, all the Dish ones, and, and Comcast, uh, Voodoo, iTunes, Google Play, um, PlayStation. It's on 32 different networks. Essentially, even if you just uh, go, you could go to 100 Acres of Hell on Facebook or 100 Acres of Hell Movie on Instagram, and they have the list of all the different platforms. Awesome. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you're doing an amazing job. And uh, I love how you're just paying it forward and helping people out. And uh, you actually care about the world and you care about people. That, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. You've been so fun to talk to. Like, even hey. just on the phone before. I'm like, oh, Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, back at you. You're a really cool person. Thank you. I appreciate it. And like I said, anybody who wants to, you know, reach out to me or anything too, I'm on social media and feel free. There's no such thing as a stupid question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and uh, you have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. everyone thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find me at anchor.fm slash screaming chewy gmail.com there'll be three options for a monthly subscription first one i believe starts at a dollar a month yo yeah dollar a month yeah and if you don't want to that's cool you can follow me on facebook and youtube screaming chewy show for some memes some more videos for episodes and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy show. I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.